Welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and in this edition, we're going to preview the South Regional for TBT 2018. I'm joined, as always, by Jake Pavorsky and Josh Brown. Josh, how are you doing? I'm good, Dan. I'm here at TBT HQ. I'm sitting in our uh, equipment closet. It's pouring rain here. It's like like a flash flood, uh, but hopefully that's not an omen for things to come. It should be a great weekend of ball coming up, so uh, I'm excited, Dan. And you'll be down in Richmond, right? I will. I'll be with you down there. Very good. And Jake, how are you doing in Philly? I am doing excellent. It is not raining yet, but we are prepared for it. I'm, I'm also bunkered down, not in our storage closet, though. I hope that doesn't mean <laughs> that the, the TBT HQ office is flooded. But uh, we just got back from a, a great regional in Milwaukee. Josh and myself and the rest of the gang were out there. And uh, a great way to kick off the tournament with an excellent Biggie's pod. I know, Dan, from what it sounds like, Spokane went excellent as well. Uh, looking forward to carrying that momentum into this first weekend where I will be in beautiful, sunny Los Angeles. That'll be great. All right. Well, let's kick it off with talking about the South region. And we have a couple of great games on Friday night between really some excellent teams. Uh, The first matchup is Team ABC Squared versus the Rock City Scorchers. The Rock City Scorchers are the 16 seed and the Team ABC Squared is the 17 seed. That game is going to take place on Friday night at Benedictine College Prep in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Guys, quick thoughts on this one. I'll just tell you quickly. I think the Rock City Scorchers actually have a a really good chance of winning this game uh, in the first round. That more or less is the team that took overseas elite to the wire last year uh, when a lot of these guys played under the name Chattanooga Trenches, which that team now has split off into the Midwest regional. And we'll talk about them when we preview that pod. I mean, that regional rather, but guys, this could be a good game at team ABC squared and rock city scorchers, rock city scorchers recently had a, a good addition, Jake. I know that you were excited about. Yeah. Devin Balkman, you know, played in TBT last year is a really solid score for that team. And was just flipping through my Instagram feed the other night and saw some highlights of him going off for, I believe it was 40 points in a Dykeman summer league game. So it looks like he's gearing up for TBT uh, ready to rock this summer. And that's a team with, you know, they've been around the, the block before they have some experience. Philip Jerk played in CBT last year. Uh, Ricky Taylor, a lot of these other guys, they know what it takes to win in CBT. And I think when you're a team that's kind of, you know, fighting through those playing games on that Friday night and you're trying to get to those Saturday games and continue to go forward, A, it helps to build that momentum on Friday night. And B, it also helps to have that experience from previous CBT years to know what it takes to win these games, to grind them out, to get to that next level. And, uh, you know, the Rock City, City Scorchers have that opportunity and they have the talent as well. And uh, you know, are, are in a prime position to to try and get through to Friday night and, and maybe, you know, give a team a scare on Saturday at the very least. Uh, the second game that we have on Friday night from Benedictine College Prep is Tampa 2020, the 15 seed versus Cancer Plus One, which is the 18 seed. Cancer Plus One is a buy-in team. Tampa 2020 qualified uh, outright via the voting. Um, now, in terms of this matchup, guys, this 15 seed Tampa 2020 is a team that, when I was researching them, really impressed me on paper almost all of those guys i think every one of them but for one played professionally someplace in the world this past season uh and the one guy that didn't was a point guard at georgia state a d1 program where actually we're going to play our super 16 uh, coming up later this summer so tampa 2020 is a very good team and cancer plus one i think might be a little bit outgunned but they have a ton of spirit uh bernice nelson has organized a great team there and that could be a really interesting matchup between the 15 and the 18 seed, I think I'd probably uh, view Tampa 2020 as a favorite, if only because of that professional experience and recent professional experience that those guys have. But uh, Josh, wondering if you have any thoughts on this one. Yeah, I I actually agree with you, Dan. I'm going to go Tampa uh, 2020 on that one. But you actually referenced there Isaiah Williams, who uh, he's one of the only players, like you said, who didn't play pro, but he's actually the player who I've heard the most kind of good things about uh, just talking to uh, either people on the team or around the team. So when when you're um, 
kind of one of the signature players is a guy who didn't play overseas and you put him on with a bunch of guys who did play professionally this year. That's a, a kind of a, a formula for good success for this team. I know uh, their GM, Matt Mochelle, is taking it really seriously. They have practices uh, either this week, week, we're recording it the week before games or the week of games they're getting together. I can't remember which one, but they have a really good team. I think they are definitely um, maybe underseeded a little bit. They should be a little bit higher. And I think that, um, like you said, uh, Bernice Nelson really has put together a, an important cause uh, after having a family member uh, touched by cancer playing for them. But I, I do think Tampa 2020 probably outguns them a little bit in this one. All right. So the winner of that game is going to advance and play on Saturday, just like the winner of that first game between the Rock City Scorchers and Team ABC Squared. So guys, on Saturday, we shift over to the Siegel Center at VCU, which is really going to be an awesome venue for us to play this South Regional in. Obviously, the home of VCU and the ancestral home of Ram Nation, all of those guys having played there before. Now, there's two guys on Ram Nation that actually have their jerseys retired. I'll let you guys do some research, and we'll talk about that when we get to the, uh, that Ram Nation game. But in the meantime, what we're going to do is we're going to start chronologically in terms of when these games will be played. So the first game is going to tip off at 9 a.m. Eastern between Louisiana United, the four seed, and ATL All-Stars, the 13 seed. Uh, Louisiana United is led by GM Jeremy McNeil, who is in now his third year of helming a team into TBT. And Charles Ridley, who now enters his fourth year. Uh, takes the reins of ATL All-Stars. Uh, there's been a lot of um, roster fluctuations, specifically with ATL All-Stars. They closed the application period with 13 on the roster, um, weren't able to carry all 13, and now have a nine that they're going to bring into this. On paper, it's a talented roster featuring NBA guys like Josh Powell and Shannon Brown. Uh, the big question mark, I think, for the 13 seed here, and probably what led them to be seated where they were, is whether or not those guys show up. Uh, on the other hand, guys, Louisiana United, we have a very strong team. It's a first-year entry uh, with a, a guy that has really made a tremendous name for himself overseas, Bo McCaleb, who is from New Orleans uh, and uh, played at the University of New Orleans and uh, also had a cup of coffee with the New Orleans Pelicans. Josh, let's start with you with this matchup between the four and the 13, Louisiana United versus ATL All-Stars. Yeah, I mean, this Louisiana uh, Louisiana United team, I think, I mean, they might be a favorite to, to get out of the South region. I think uh, a couple of names that people might not know. You mentioned McCallabar. He's one of the best players in Europe. I mean, uh, if you guys have seen kind of his list of accomplishments in just about a decade playing overseas, he's won a title in basically every league he's played. And uh, he's won MVP in the Italian league twice, I believe, in the finals and the MVP of the league once. He was the Sun Belt Player of the Year uh, in 2007. Um, he, he's just an overall player who I think a lot of guys here might not know, but he's won basically everything you can win overseas. Corey Dixon is a uh, Louisiana guy kind of through and through as well. He had a cup of coffee with the Pelicans. Uh, he's played in Australia, England, and I believe Belgium as well, where he's racked up a bunch of awards too. So I, I just think this Louisiana, Louisiana United team um, might just, I don't want to say they, they they have more talent than ATL All-Stars because if they come with a full roster, ATL All-Stars is a very talented team too. But these are all Louisiana guys who have played together. They know each other. Um, and I, I just think they're one of actually the favorites to get out of the region, certainly to make the Super 16 and beyond. So I, I'm going to go and uh, predict Louisiana United in that game. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Louisiana United is is a really solid roster, and props to Jeremy for putting together one of these, uh, you know, these top overseas teams. Once you get these these mercenary squads together, you never know how these are going to work. But 
I like the fact that he put a lot of guys together that really kind of know the roles and kind of play in a system that is, you know, makes it work for everyone. And it's not necessarily one person kind of carrying the load. You look at that front line, Mike Morrison, a TBT veteran who's played at a high level overseas, was with the, the DMV teams for a couple of years when he played in the earlier years of TBT. That's a guy who can man the, uh, the five spot, can block some shots, can throw down some lobs. You put him next to Akil Mitchell, who had a solid four-year career at Virginia, great rebounder, solid team defender. And you mix them in with guys like McCaleb and Byron Allen, too, who was a late – Brian Allen, excuse me, a late add to that Louisiana United team, also from George Mason University, lit up the Basketball Champions League this year. A high-level scorer who can get going in a hurry will make some people you know, realize who he is. And if they make it past that, that Saturday game, that Sunday game, team is going to have to make sure that they, uh, they have him covered at all times. But we talk about the ATL All-Stars team, and I know – that Charles Ridley in having conversations with players was very interested in putting together a really solid training camp for a couple weeks ahead of time. So we'll see if they end up bringing their NBA players and Josh Powell and Shannon Brown, two guys that won an NBA title together with the Lakers in 2009. Um, but if this is a team that, you know, has been able to prepare for the past couple of weeks and get together, chemistry can be a big part of this. And you have Salma Jones played in TBT last year with the, the Tampa Bulls two year NBA player, another guy who can go up against Mike Morris and Akil Mitchell make them work down low, as well as Dubio Koke uh, from Nebraska. And we had Tevin Glass play last year on one of the Jamboree teams, one of the more consistent players in the Jamboree, a solid scorer who can stretch the floor a little bit. You know, I wouldn't count out this Atlanta All-Stars team, regardless of whether or not the NBA guys show up, because uh, they do have some solid players on that team. Obviously, you bring those guys on the team, that changes the dynamic a little bit, makes things a little more even. I would give Louisiana United the edge right now. But uh, that should be a good one for sure. Could be a potential 13-4 upset, depending on the way uh, those guys show up. All right, let's move on to the next matchup, which is going to take place at 10.50, 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time in Richmond, Virginia. This is the six-seed team, DRC, versus the 11-seed, the NC Prodigal Sons. NC Prodigal Sons now enter their third year in TBT, having made the Super 16 last year. Uh, as really a, this the Cinderella, Cinderella story, rather, of 2017. Team DRC is based out of Tampa, and the DRC stands for Dominique Rogers Cromarty, longtime uh, New York Giant defensive back who was a free agent this summer and likely to actually sign a contract from what I've heard. So let's um, let's talk about this 6 versus 11 matchup. Obviously, it seems to me that the NC Prodigal Sons are a group of guys that, while they don't have the high-level international professional uh, pedigree that some of these other teams might have, they do have the benefit of playing around year year round with each other for years and years and years. And these guys are the ultimate team based basketball uh, team. DRC really is a collection of all stars from the Atlanta area. And uh, Jake, I'll let you kind of take the reins here with DRC in terms of these guys pedigrees, because it is pretty impressive. Yeah. I mentioned the uh, Tampa Bulls team when I was talking about uh, the, the last squad and we have three guys from this Tampa Bulls team last year that have kind of made their way to team DRC. Dominic Jones, a first round pick of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, won a title with them. He's now on this team. Of course, Dominique Jones is the guy who hit uh, the game-winning shot for them to move them on to the round of 16. That crazy bank shot uh, falling away out, out of bounds. Uh, you know, I'm sure everyone saw that, whether it was on our TVT feeds or on ESPN. So that's the kind of guy you have to look for for them as a high-level scorer. They have Torlin Fitzpatrick, guy who can play above the, above the rim. Kentrell Gransberry as well. And Eric Griffin is a guy that a lot of people probably don't know about, but has been uh, a stronghold in summer league for the past couple of years. Again, another very athletic forward, can play the three, can play the four, can play above the rim. And you have Chris Warren, who's a part of the old Hadi Tadi squad last year. Uh, a very solid guard, had an excellent year over in uh, in Europe last season. 
can really run the point for them, get buckets. And they have a lot of solid scorers on the team, a lot of solid athletes. If you guys want to go down the YouTube rabbit hole, I can challenge you to find some great dunk videos of Angelo Warner. Uh, so this is a team that is going to be very athletic, and they're going to be up against a prodigal son team that really knows how to play together, that plays a strong brand of basketball, ball movement. They realize that they're not going to win based on one player's talent alone. They're going to have to do it as a collective team effort. And Alonzo Coleman will lead the way for them like he did last year, but they'll need all the guys on that roster to really put in a solid effort to pull that one out. Uh, I'm going to give Prodigal Sons the the nod there just because of the, the TBT experience, the deep run they had last year. Um, and what the fact is they know what it takes to win and they, they have the solid pieces around each other that can complement them. Uh, but DRC has a lot of firepower. And if those guys get hot one day, you never know what's going to happen with them. Josh, give us a little bit of background on the Prodigal Sons and, and what you've kind of found out about these guys over the years. Yeah, well, Dan, first of all, is Alonzo Coleman definitely in? I heard he could be. That might not be even for sure. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, I don't, we're recording this at a, at a time in advance. So you never know who's showing up to TBT until about 24 to 48 hours before the games. But the latest that I've heard about Alonzo Coleman is that he will not be playing uh, for them this summer. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a huge blow right there. I mean, I was with Jake um, with that pick actually until, uh, until I learned that news. But um, either way, these guys are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're guys who have a collection of, of, Normal jobs, as you might say, around the Charlotte area. I think uh, one of them works for H&R Block. One of them might work in roofing. Um, there's another one that's an insurance agent. So, you know, they're, they're normal guys who play basketball um, on the side in the Charlotte kind of pro-am community. And, um, you know, they have a couple of pros on the team. Coleman's one of them, Damier Pitts, who was actually probably one of my two or three favorite players in TBT last year. He went to Marshall. I forget where he was this year, but he's played overseas for a couple of years in a row. Actually, in the summer, uh, Pitts opens up uh, this gym that he helped. I don't know if he helped op- or create it or he, he just works there now, but he trains kind of the youth of Charlotte in the summers now. And I believe DeAndre Pratt might play overseas as well. Um, but either way, most of these guys are just kind of normal guys. They're playing for the Prodigal Sun Foundation, which helps uh, kind of underprivileged kids in that Charlotte area. It's kind of like a, a YMCA type of organization, kind of gives them mentors and they do things with groups, et cetera. And uh, like Dan said, the, the first year they were leading Ram Nation by 20 points in an opening round game. Ram Nation ended up coming back and winning that game last year. The NC Prodigal Suns, they, they uh, had a great run where they beat Marshall Henderson and old hottie toddy and then the next day they beat uh that golden boot dynasty team so uh they're very well coached jason caldwell is a great um kind of guy to lead that team he, he kind of lets them play within their own game but he can draw up plays for them if they need to and uh yeah like i said they're, they're certainly going to play with as much heart as any team in tbt uh without alonzo coleman I, I don't know if they have enough talent to beat drc but they're kind of like a primetime type of team i mean they play primetime all the time where they're never going to be out of a game if they lose it's going to be you know a three to seven point game uh so they're going to fight tooth and nail towards the end but yeah i think drc probably comes away with it without coleman either way it'll be a great matchup from a first year tbt team team drc i think he's going to be there by the way dominic rogers cromarty i my understanding is going to be up there in richmond uh cheering on the team so that'll be great to see and the prodigal sons uh clearly one of the uh, fan favorites they've always drawn a great crowd and play for a great cause which is the prodigal sons foundation based out of the charlotte area in north carolina all right so the next game up from richmond virginia is the 512 matchup wake the nation a wake forest alumni team first year for them in tbt versus showtime which is a five-year TBT participant 
only the only one of five teams that are still around from the first year from 2014. Wake the Nation, guys, features a lot of high-end talent, some really great players from uh, Wake Forest over the last 10 to 15 years, if you believe that. And Showtime really has done a great job of improving year over year, although they haven't won a game yet in TBT. This could be the year, guys, that they pull off the upset and move their name down that bracket, which I know those kids from Council Virginia are very, very eager to do. Jake, let's start with you and uh, give us your analysis of this matchup between the 5 and 12 seed. Yeah, can Showtime finally get off the schneid? Only time will tell. It's a very interesting roster. And we actually have a Wake Forest player on that Showtime roster in Darius Leonard, a uh, 6'9 power forward there. We'll see if uh, the guys on the Wake Forest team give him a, a little ribbing there for uh, for not linking up with them. But this is a solid roster. And, and Stacey Presley and the rest of the gang have done a good job of kind of taking, you know, a team that used to be just some of their friends and just, you know, guys that wanted to go out there and hoop together one more time from a small town in Virginia to going out and, and getting some professional players. And uh, one guy you kind of look for there is is Marcus Posley, who played at St. Bonaventure uh, for two years, was over in Greece this year. And uh, you might have heard his, his story in the news because he was on a team in Greece called Koroivos. And as he was leaving his Greek team to come back home at the end of a, a really solid season, uh, the Greek team actually canceled his flight, left him stranded in Greece. Uh, Mike James, who plays on the HBC Sicklerville team, actually took to Twitter to say he'd help pay to get them home. Uh, so they got Marcus home, and uh, Marcus went out and said, actually, he wasn't really getting paid from his Greek team. So I imagine he's going to be a little motivated. A uh, guy who wasn't really getting paid playing overseas, if he could help win, help them win that $2 million prize, get a cut of that for him and his family, uh, I'm sure that's a little extra motivation as well. And you have Neil Rasnick, the, the one holdover on that team for the past five years, a, a part of the, the select group of five-year TVT players. Uh, Neil, you know, despite the fact that he's a little older, doesn't necessarily fit in with the rest of the guys, will probably look a little small on a TBT court, can still light it up if they let him get some minutes, you know, 10, 15 minutes off the bench, see if he can start raining in some threes a little bit. He could be an X factor for them off the bench, just as he's been in the past couple years for sure. So Showtime, you know, they've done a continued to do a good job of trying to to build up this roster and, and take themselves to the next level and really try and and by the next level, I mean get them from a Saturday game to a Sunday game. So we'll <laughs> yeah. see if this is the year that they finally do that. But this is a solid Wake Forest team with a lot of talent uh, through a lot of different years of Wake Forest basketball. And, of course, they're led by Josh Howard, 2007 NBA All-Star, a fantastic career with the Dallas Mavericks, among other teams. Uh, we'll see if, if Josh Howard and C.J. Harris is probably their best professional player currently playing at a very high level in Turkey, if, uh, if they can do enough to kind of lead those guys over that Showtime team. It'll be an interesting matchup, no doubt. Uh, one late scratch that I do know about for Wake Forest is Nikita Meshiryakov. I think I said that right. There you go. Uh, he got called up to uh, international duty uh, with his home nation, I believe, of Bosnia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but in any event, he will not be there uh, for Wake the Nation. I think they're a little bit disappointed about his un- unavailability, but the rest of the guys apparently are very worked up, and they're going to have a training camp, I believe, starting this weekend. Uh, on campus at Wake Forest. So that'll be a great matchup. The 5-12 game takes place at 12.40 p.m. Eastern time. That's just afternoon uh, on Watch ESPN. So be on the lookout for that 5-12 Dan, matchup. Yes. Dan, just before we move from that, I have information uh, that Chris Paul is very aware of this team. Who knows if he will show up. They have training camp coming up. He's actually best friends with Justin Gray on this team. They teamed up to form uh, one of the best Wake Forest backcourts ever in the history of TBT. We know James Harden is a TBT fan. Justin Gray now friends with his teammate, Chris Paul. We all have a big web kind of going on. Uh, I'm going to be the bad guy here. Sorry, I don't want to prolong this team. 
uh, just to be edgy, I think Showtime has no shot against Wake the Nation. Wake <laughs> the Nation, I think, is one of the most underrated teams in TBT this year. Um, LD Williams is maybe the best defensive player in TBT. He's also a prolific dunker. He's won dunk contests in the G League and overseas. We talked about Gray. Travis McKee, a guy who a lot of people aren't talking about, he's you know, aside from Duncan and Chris Paul, like one of the best players in Wake Forest history, top 10 in minutes played, games played, three-point attempts, rebounds, free throws. Uh, he scored almost 1,800 points. I like Wake Forest running away with this game, Dan. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong, but that's my prediction on that Interesting. one. Interesting. I, I don't know that that's a huge limb to go out on, and I don't even know that, that Showtime would necessarily disagree with you that they're the underdogs, but I think they'll use that as bulletin board material, Josh. So congratulations on that front. Undoubtedly. <laughs> Get your popcorn ready, Josh. Yeah, exactly. All right. The next game up, guys, is the 314. Uh, this is the 230 p.m. game. This has a renewal of a Memphis alumni team. Memphis State, playing under a new name this year, is the three seed against the Brooklyn Vultures, which is the 14 seed. So Memphis State, uh, guys, in 2016, entered TBT in the South Regional, lost a heartbreaker on, uh, ironically, some free throws at the end of the game. Uh, and just wasn't able to close out uh, their, I believe, second round win that they were thought that they were going to get. Uh, the 14 seed Brooklyn Vultures is a buy-in team uh, led by John Taylor out of New York, and he's had some assistance putting this team together. The Brooklyn Vultures guys are actually a pretty good team. Memphis State looks like a very good team on paper. Um, Josh, we're wondering about your thoughts here on this matchup, the 314. Yeah, Dan, they lost to um, Train to Go in 2016 in that second round. Uh, that was a game where Brandon Robinson just that was when he really kind of made his name in TBT. He uh, went off in that second half. So I know Memphis State, from talking to a couple of those guys, they were legitimately disappointed at that game. I remember actually down in Charlotte. I mean, they had towels over their head. They were even – you could kind of see some tears. I don't know if they – I don't want to say if they were crying, but they were legitimately upset when they lost that game. They take TBT very seriously. They're back after a year off. And um, it's kind of the same roster. I do like them adding Jarvis Varnado, who was the all-time NCAA leading shot blocker. He still is. I shouldn't say was. He still is the leading shot blocker. He played for the Jackson, Tennessee underdogs last year. Uh, and he was a, a good player for them. They ended up losing on a putback on the buzzer. But he was a player who played really well for them. And other than that, it's pretty much uh, the same team that we saw from 2016. They were a really good team, whether it be um, – Will it be Willie Coleman, the GM, who will also play forward? Willie Kemp is a good point guard for this team. He also played for that underdogs team last year. Wesley Witherspoon, uh, Memphis fans certainly know him, and Adonis Thomas. That's kind of their core right there. So I'm interested to see how they rebound after that game in 2016. I think they're certainly going to be the favorite. Um, but but obviously, as we saw in that trade to go Memphis game a couple of years ago, you never know what will happen in TBT. But I do like Memphis in that opening round game. Jake, your thoughts on this one? For sure. And, you know, talking to, to Will Coleman and reading some of the, the media stuff that has come out about that team, uh, that is an older squad, definitely an older team than the Memphis squad that they brought a couple of years ago. And I think that that's something that they are, they're kind of enjoying. And it's something they, they sort of did by design. Adonis Thomas, Wesley Witherspoon and Chris Crawford are the only members on that team that are under 30 years old. And Coleman has kind of reiterated that, you know, these are sometimes the older guys that play together. They don't mind playing the role. Everyone kind of stays in their lane. And I think that's something that that you know, TVT is typically a young man's game. You're playing two games in two days. Sometimes for, you know, teams, it's three games in three days. So it's a quick turnaround when you get into the later rounds. But they seem to think that, you know, the older you are, the more experience that you have uh, will allow themselves to, you know, really understand the game and to allow them to function better within a group. And, you know, this is a, a true uh, Memphis team. You have Memphis guys that are on the coaching staff, Antonio Anderson, 
Uh, again, you know, Josh mentions Jarvis Renato playing at a very high level in Spain this year in the ACB. Adonis Thomas is coming off a 54-game season in Turkey where he played not only in the Turkish League but the Basketball Champions League as well. So we got a taste of, of high international competition and average double-doubles – or excuse me, double digits in points for that game. So it was a really solid Memphis team with some scoring, with some size down low, and with a lot of guys that are, are willing to understand their role and you know not have to fight over playing time just to go out there and showcase themselves. They're more worried about the money than anything else. And you look at the Brooklyn Vultures team and – there's probably two guys on that team that I would highlight is George Beeman, who's a really solid wing scorer at the University of Manhattan, currently playing over in the British Basketball League, as well as Marquise Moore, uh, the one guy with who played in the G League this past year, had a solid uh, season with the Iowa Wolves, starting eight games, coming off the bench for uh, 32 others. Uh, we'll see how they do. You know, this is a, a team that is kind of trying to figure things out and just see where their place is in TBT. And I imagine that they'll start out the game trying to, you know, find the rhythm, whereas Memphis State coming together for a bit of a training camp, knowing each other, knowing the how the Memphis system works. I think that that gives them a bit of an advantage. But, you know, you never know how these things go. And there's there's always a uh, there's always one upset every year. And I'm not saying it, it's it's broken vultures, but there's usually one team that everyone kind of overlooks that ends up getting through that Saturday game and, and kind of making some noise. And, you know, who knows? It could be them this year. I'll give you a, a little inside info on the Brooklyn Vultures. So James Ryans has been uh, a figure in New York basketball for decades, and he's had uh, a role in putting together some of the players on this team. And he did a great job last year actually helping out uh, with an unnamed team. I'm not going to name who it was, but a team that played pretty well in, in TBT last year. Uh, several of these players are guys that he's recruited and assisted in terms of getting them up on this roster for the Brooklyn Vultures. The team is getting together on a regular basis at Basketball City, uh, which is a facility in Manhattan that um, is really a, just a, a Shangri-La of basketball in downtown New York. So, you know, the team itself is going to be organized. I think they're going to play well. And guys, this is going to sound like classic. I don't know what I'm talking about basketball. But one of the things I love looking at when teams put themselves together for TBT is do the guys' sizes match up? You know, like are they about the size that they ought to be for the position that they're playing? And when you look at the Brooklyn Vultures, they kind of fit that bill. You know, they've got six seven small forwards, six six small forwards. They've got a shooting guard that's six foot five. You know, I like the fact that they've got some size as well. They've got a seven footer on the roster who at least is going to give them minutes. So I think this is going to be a great matchup between Memphis State and the Brooklyn Vultures. Uh, that game again takes place at two thirty p.m. on. Uh, Saturday, July 14th. That'll again be live on the Watch ESPN app uh, streaming from there. All right, guys, after the 2.30 game, we go to the 4.20 p.m. game, the 8-9 matchup between, uh, I guess they're geographic neighbors. They're probably no more than about two hours apart or so. Monarch Nation, which is the Old Dominion alumni team versus the number nine seeded Hilltop Dogs, which is a UMBC alumni team. Monarch Nation, guys, is a first-year team, as is the Hilltop Dogs. Uh, this is an 8-9 matchup, the winner of which gets the honor of playing overseas elite most likely uh, in that second round. Um, but guys, Monarch Nation is a team that um, you know has some pieces in place. Uh, they have a couple of really great players. Uh, specifically, uh, the name that keeps coming up is Frank Hassell every time you talk to somebody about this uh, Monarch Nation team. UMBC, guys, is a team that um, you know has some guys that have played professionally over the last couple of years. There may be some additions that we're hearing rumblings about that, you know, We'll see it. We'll believe it when it happens. But, uh, you know, these um, this matchup could be a very good game. And I think that the game itself is going to be a very entertaining one. And I'd expect it to come down to that last shot. Uh, whoever has the ball for that last shot during the Elam ending. But, uh, Josh, let's start with your thoughts on this 8-9 Old Dominion UMBC matchup. 
Well, I should start by saying if those additions happen, it totally changes this game. Everything about this game changes. So we're not going to mention them because, uh, like Dan said, who knows if it'll come through. But if it does happen, I, I like you. I like UMBC in the game. I'll just say that. Uh, but yeah, I think right now ODU probably has the advantage. Um, Franklin Hassell, like you said, Dan, he was actually going to join Ram Nation if they didn't get into if ODU didn't get into TBT. Um, that's how high. People think of him, obviously, Ram Nation, very, um, not that every team isn't, but they really, you know, keep an eye on who they're adding to the roster, and they think very highly of him. Um, Bazemore, another player on this team, obviously, people know his brother. Uh, He actually went to Winston-Salem State, but has connections to that area, so he's going to join up with them. He's going to be a little bit of an undersized forward, plays more like a guard, so I don't know if that's just kind of an error on the how he listed himself, but... um, Either way, he's going to be a player who will be very good for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at UMBC, Andrew Feely is actually a guy who has the most pro experience. He's played 13 years overseas now. One of the only UMBC players who has played over a decade professionally. So he'll be a player who they're going to try to run their offense from. Ray Barboza, the GM shooting guard, he led UMBC to their first NCAA tournament appearance in 2008. So he kind of knows what it takes to win in that, or at least make it into that one and done format. Jordan Grant was on the team this year, a point guard. He kind of got overshined by uh, by Jairus Lyles, who's playing in the summer league now. But Grant was a very good player on this team. So UMBC is a very good team right now. I don't know if they have quite enough to get by Monarch Nation. But if they can get those additions, like I said, that totally changes the complexion of that game. Jake, you've done a little bit of digging on this Monarch, I mean, I'm sorry, the Hilltop Dogs team, specifically that it's a little bit of a combination of the first team that made the tournament for UMBC and now this team that pulled the 16-1 upset over Virginia this past spring. Yeah, Josh kind of mentioned it, but, you know, TBT always has great storylines, and and this is probably right up there with one of the best. You have Ray Barbosa, who came to UMBC in his final year, helped UMBC get over the hump, get their first ever NCAA tournament appearance in 2008. Uh, and now he, he's joining up with forces on this team that, you know, in, uh, in KJ Morrow, who's on the roster, but unfortunately due to professional obligations in Puerto Rico, probably won't be playing. Uh, but Jordan Grant as well, who was a, a solid contributor on that UMBC team, scored nine points in their historic upset over the number one overall seed UVA. So you're having two different errors. Well, it's multiple different errors of UMBC basketball, that's for sure. But it's two different significant errors. Their first NCAA tournament run in 2008. And a decade later, their second one, you have Jordan Grant as well. Can we get Jarius Lyles uh, back from Las Vegas Summer League and, and to uh, Richmond, Virginia for this Saturday game? Uh, it seems unlikely. I think that would really push them over the top. Jarius Lyles is probably the best player to ever step through UMBC. Uh, you know, it was right on the cusp of the NBA. But Jarius, if, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you are, this is my plea to you. You got to put a deal on the table, play a couple games in TBT, <laughs> sign your NBA deal like I know you will in the fall. Become a fully endorsed Puma athlete and uh, help your uh, your retriever brothers win $2 million. Yeah, but I, that's I, I a agree. great point, Jake. And the next thing he knows, he's probably sipping champagne with uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce. So, you know, what's better Jarius, than that? Give me a call, Jarius. You won't regret this. But, you know, you look at, <laughs> look at other guys on that team. And, you know, Chase Plummer is a guy. Obviously, a lot of people don't know a ton about UMBC basketball. But, you know, you look up and down this roster. Chase Plummer, four-year player, 2012 All-American East second team selection. 10th all-time UMBC history in points with over 1,300. 8th in rebounds. Play with Kyrie Irving at St. Patrick High School in New Jersey. I mean, they have a lot of guys on this team that can really score the ball. We mentioned Jordan. I saw videos of practice the other day. 
Rodney Elliott looks like he's doing a fantastic job of running the point for them. Will Darley is a guy that graduated two years ago, starting his pro career as well. And and Ray Barbosa, you know, obviously had a good career as well, um, you know, scoring almost 20 points a game at UMBC. Now coaching, but, um, you know, did a really good job of, of putting that team together. And it looks like he's going to play a little bit for them. I see him in practice getting his threes up. And, you know, he looks like he's in solid game shape. And I think that this UMBC team, that UMBC team, that's currently in school has been pushing them in some summer workouts. So we'll see how, how they match up against Frank, the tank to sell. Uh, you know, that's a guy that, you know, you talk about some of the best big men in CBT. I think it's hard to name, you know, five without mentioning Hassell. the CAA tournament MVP in 2011, all tournament team, all defensive team, all CAA first team, everything you can possibly ask for this guy to do at the college level. He did that. And we talk about uh, Ken Basemore's brother uh, actually just accepted a, a, an assistant coaching job. Uh, at UVA Wise University, I think that news dropped yesterday. So you got a matchup of uh, two current college coaches going against each other. Hopefully, we can see them go one on one a little bit. But honestly, this game is a toss up. You know, I could think Hilltop Dogs today. I could wake up tomorrow and say I really like Monarch Nation. I'm going to take Hilltop Dogs right now. I love the story. I love the team. Uh, we'll see if they can they can make it out. But I'll, I'll tell you what, overseas elite's going to be licking their chops no matter what. So uh, hopefully, these guys are. You know, not overlooking their first round matchup, but also, uh, you know, giving up for what is going to be a very, very, very difficult matchup on Sunday. No doubt. And that, that's actually the next game that day is at 6, 10 p.m. from the Siegel Center in Richmond, Virginia, will be the number one seeded overseas elite three time defending champions. They've won five million dollars over 19 games in which they're 19 and 0 in single elimination, which is just almost unfathomable. They come back for their fourth time in TBT. It could be the last time from what I've read from Eric McCollum uh, in recent interviews that he's given, which, you know, you can't blame them for that. I mean, they've pretty much proven everything they need to prove. But on paper, guys, this really might be the most talented roster that Overseas Elite has ever brought to TBT, and partly because of two key additions that they have. Jeremy Pargo, who foregoed or forewent, I don't know what the phrase would be there, the chance to play with the Gonzaga alumni team, Few Good Men, to join up with Overseas Elite, as well as longtime overseas vet and one of the biggest humans on earth, Will McDonald, who played in TBT last year with his alma mater, the USF alumni team, the Tampa Bulls. But guys, they bring back the core, you know, and the core here um, has been here since the beginning. You've got Eric McCollum, DJ Kennedy, Paris Horn, defensive stopper, John Dre Jefferson, DeAndre Kane, and uh, not forgetting, of course, two-time TBT MVP Kyle Fogg. Josh, this is a team that is just you know, will go down in, in history as one of the greatest basketball teams to compete in this type of uh, environment, I think, ever. They will indeed, Dan. I do have one concern with them. You wonder, if, can Pargo fit in with these guys? You know, Pargo is a ball-dominant guard with few good men, and that's all and good when you're playing with few good men, but you're going to play with the best team now in TBT history. Uh, he's going to have to kind of do that Bill Belichick, do-your-job role. He's going to have a much different role than he had with, uh, you know, in his previous TBT teams. Can he adjust to that? I don't think he'll have a problem with it, but I, I think... You know, if you want to nitpick anything, that is something to watch. How does a really ball-dominant guard fit in with those guys? He's going to have to take a much reduced role with this overseas elite team. Um, but I, I thought John Mugar, his tweet was perfect yesterday. They're 19-0. and 0 And, you know, we're in Milwaukee yesterday, and I don't want to blow up Jake's spot. Uh, a couple other people with TBT, they're all saying overseas elite's not going to win TBT. I was saying, what are you talking about? What, what's your basis for that? I mean, the core of this team returns. Uh, they're, they're so underappreciated as a team still. It's unbelievable how many people don't. I don't know if it's because they're not an alumni team. So 
Um, they just kind of get overlooked. But, I mean, you have Kyle Fogg, like you mentioned. Yeah, DeAndre Kane's my probably one of my favorite players in TBT. He can play positions one through four. He's actually a point guard overseas. He plays the four with overseas elite. DJ Kenny's the most versatile player maybe in the world, certainly in TBT right now. I don't know why people are picking against overseas elite. Everyone wants to see the champion fall. They're not going to fall. Overseas elite's winning TBT. They're going to go out on top. Do your job. Bill Belichick, overseas elite. Uh, they're going to roll through the South region. Jake, are you one of those people that's skeptically assuming that overseas elite is not going to win TBT? No, I never said that. I'm not sure where Josh got that. No, I did not say that. What's your your take on this? I mean, is this the best roster that they've brought into TBT? You know what? It's it's so hard to compare previous rosters to this year's roster. I mean, this is – when you add a guy like Jeremy Pargo who had NBA experience, who played for Maccabi Tel Aviv this year and helped them win an Israeli league title – uh, you know, this, this is, again, is certainly up there with, with their best teams. There's there's not much you can say about this team anymore. We know what they're capable of. We know what they've done. They're 19-0. They don't lose anything. They, they continue, you know, I will say this. They continue to prepare less, and they continue to con- win more. So it, it doesn't really matter what they come in, if they, if they put together a training camp, if they walk in, you know, five minutes before the game because Travis Bader just got off his flight and they had to, you know, rush him over to the gym to try and get five guys on the floor. They come out, and they're prepared, and, and they have, the scoring talent, the defensive talent to get the job done, plain and simple. And I, I have them picked as my TBT title winner. You can ask John Newgar. Ah. We can bring him on the podcast. You can ha- look at my bracket and tell you, yes, I picked them to win TBT again this year. Because at this point, listen, you can't pick against a team that's won three years in a row. You can't pick against a team that's never lost. And I'm the guy that usually likes to see change, and I think that there's no way they continue to do this. After three years, you relent. You give in and say, listen – until these guys, until I see them lose with my two eyes or someone tells me that they've lost, I can't believe it and I don't expect them to lose. So I think they're going to get it done. And the only real question I have about this team is can they overcome the loss of head coach Colin Curtin? I mean, well, guys, I'm going to break that's some news. I'm going to break some news that's not yet reflected on the website. Oh. It may be at the time that this uh, podcast is released, but Mark Hughes, three-time coach of Train to Go, is set to become the new coach for Overseas Elite. This year, I don't have many more details in terms of how this arose or what the process was, but that's what I've heard. It's Mark Hughes is going to be the head coach replacing the Red Auerbach of TBT, Colin Curtin, who won three straight championships. So anyways, it's going to be an interesting scenario. I will say this. One thing that you have to love about Overseas Elite, and I was uh, I heard this just from the other day from one of the players on the team, is that all they're looking at is winning that first game. And then all they're look, hoping to do is get through that first weekend. That's the attitude, I think, that has led them to be 19-0. They're not looking at who they're going to get matched up with in the Super 16 or when they might face uh, you know, the two-seed or the, or the three-seed or whatever. They're not even worried about that. They're thinking about game one, and after they win game one, then they'll focus on game two. And that's how they went from game one all the way to 19 and winning 19-0. So anyway, guys, just say one yeah, go thing. ahead. I, I think there's nothing more relaxing than playing basketball knowing that you've won $5 million. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, $1 million in 2015, $2 million in 2016 and 2017. Yes, there's $2 million on the table. Yes, there's plenty to play for, but they've been there. They've done that. Their pockets are lined. I think there's nothing more relaxing and allowing yourself to let go and just enjoying playing basketball than having that thought in your head. I don't know. Is it though? Is it when you know 19, it could be your last go around and you could go out very, you know, not, I don't want to say very likely, but the odds aren't in your favor to win 
you know, six more games in a row. I don't know if it's relaxing for a guy like Kent, DJ Kennedy. And I know Eric McCollum says we're just playing because we love the game. But at some level, when you've won that much, you're playing to kind of keep that legacy that you've built intact. It, it's not certainly not ruined if they lose. I mean, they, they went 19-0. But I think out of the teams in TBT, they have maybe more pressure than any other team to, to keep the streak going. There's such competitive guys that I think a loss would just weigh so heavy on them that I think they have a ton of pressure on their shoulders to continue. Winning. Josh, you know, these guys, I know these guys, they don't feel pressure. I've watched them. Shoot I don't know. Games before big games. These are guys that are just having fun. They're joking around. They're getting shots up. These are guys. These aren't guys that practice hard anymore. These are guys that know what it takes to win TBT. They have the winning formula. Kyle Fogg will hit big shots. DJ Kennedy will get a strip and a seal and go down the other way. DeAndre Kane will get in someone's face and fire them up. They know what the winning formula is. The pressure is on everyone else to knock them off. And why? Because they've done it before and they beat everyone and they, they've put it out there that they are the top dogs, they are the team to beat, and that everyone else should be fearful of them. And you know what? The rest of the field is. And that's why they continue to come back because they know every year we know what it takes. We've done this before. And the $2 million is just waiting there. They're already starting to write our names on it. They have overseas written on there. They just have to finish the elite part. Uh, that's it. So I, I think that these guys are cool, calm, they're collected. And uh, they're waiting to ride off into uh, into the sunset. Well, guys, the team that Overseas Elite has beat in the course of the last two championships on the way to uh, the semifinals has been Ram Nation, the VCU alumni team. Ram Nation uh, is essentially a host team this year, uh, playing at the Siegel Center, where two of the guys have their jerseys retired. I mentioned this earlier, guys. you know who it is? I do. Can I answer? Yeah, go ahead. That would be one Eric Maynard and one Bradford Burgess. Exactly. So this Ram Nation team, guys, is probably the best squad that they've ever had. And they've geared up specifically to try to beat Overseas Elite. They actually have a member, a former member of Overseas Elite on their roster. Um, so let's talk about uh, this Ram Nation team, guys. They, we'll, we'll know who they're going to play after Friday night. They'll play the winner of the Tampa 2020 game versus the Cancer Plus one team. So Ram Nation plays at 8 p.m. This is going to be live from the Siegel Center. The ticket sales are going through the roof, guys. I expect this to be a packed house and a very excited packed house to finally see Ram Nation back in Richmond uh, after playing in Charlotte for the last couple of, couple of uh, TBTs. Ram Nation guys look really good. I mean, they look like a really, really good team on paper. Let's talk about them a little bit, Josh, and your thoughts on Ram Nation. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we even really have to go through the talent because you just have to pull up their page. But uh, I was talking to Melvin Johnson yesterday. Dan, you were talking about the ticket sales. He told me he actually uh, – he's from the Bronx, but he lives in Richmond now because uh, he likes to work out with the guys in the summer when he's home from – he's played in Italy the last couple of years. He likes to go back to VCU. He tells me if he's at a restaurant or he is out even you know at a store or something – People won't talk to him about his VCU days. They'll solely talk to him about TBT. That's the only thing that people care about in Richmond right now. And I don't think he was saying it just because we were on the podcast. But he like sounded like genuinely like he was telling the truth. Like they love TBT in Richmond. Um, he said last year he actually traveled to the uh, to New York because he's from New York to watch those Super 16 games. But he watched. He went into a bar in Richmond for the regional games. He said it was packed. There were 200 people in a bar watching that Ram Nation game into it they were cheering they were yelling so richmond is ready for tbt he said it's been almost overwhelming how much um support the community has given him so far so uh we know this ram nation team is going to be good i don't have to go through the names like that but i just can't wait to see uh the seagull center it's going to be a crazy environment and a homecoming for
for you as well, Dan, a former Richmond Spider baseball player returning to his home ground. So it should be a great atmosphere all around. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be a great thing to see. You know, there's a couple of key pieces, Jake, of this team that didn't actually go to VCU uh, that have played for them nonetheless for the last couple of years. And Reggie Williams from VMI, a longtime NBA player being one of them. Uh, And I mentioned it before, Ryan Richards, who actually won a championship with Overseas Elite in 2016. Uh, joins the team this year as well to give them some size. But this is a really solid team, uh, Jake, one through 14. I I had mentioned on our our previous podcast that I thought Stephen Gray was the most underrated player in CBT. I'm going to take that back, and I'm going to say Reggie Williams is far and away 100% lock, the most underrated, underappreciated, overlooked player in CBT. I mean, this is a guy, eight years in the NBA, gets the job done for this. You know, he's basically, they might as well give him an honorary degree from VCU at this point. He's run with this, this Ram Nation team long enough. He's just an awesome <laughs> player, enjoyable to watch. You know, can guard the two, can guard the three. will do whatever they want for them. And this is a guy who's going to score at a high level, who's going to knock down shots, but he's not going to do it in a way that takes away from the flow of the offense. And talking with Mount, Matt Shelton-Eyde and, and the rest of the um, sort of the team there and kind of getting a feel for, you know, how this team comes together and, and what the, the roster chemistry is like is, he says everyone listens to Reggie Williams. You know, this is a guy, obviously, they've seen that's done it before, not only played at TVT in a high level, but played in the NBA for so long. People look up to him. He's basically a coach on the floor for them. Guys will, you know, whatever position he tells guys they need to be in, they'll listen. They're receptive to what he has to offer. So, obviously, that is someone who's going to continue to carry the reins for them in the backcourt, as well as Eric Manor, VCU legend, who did play in the NBA for a couple of years and just got done a season in Italy. And then we talk about Ryan Richards, obviously, who spent one year with overseas elite. When I spoke with Matt, he talked about what this front line needed to do this year was they really needed to add more size. And they went out and they got Ryan, a guy that was drafted by the Spurs uh, a couple years ago as a, as a draft and stash and has kind of made his way through Europe. Actually, not an American-born player, uh, born in England. Maybe TVT's only English-born player. We might have to uh, search through the history books for that one. But uh, oh, Pops Mensa Bonsu. There we go. Excuse me. So second one. See, Dan's on top of this stuff. That's 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 going way back now, Pops Mensa Bonsu. That is a... Uh, a TBT OG, but we look at the front line and Ryan Richards just, you know, is another seven footer for that team. You look at Zeke Marshall where, and I spoke to Matt and Matt is, is big on analytics and looking on, on building out this front line. And he pointed out Zeke Marshall's 13% block rate at Akron. So, you know, they're doing some digging there, looking through the old sports reference pages, uh, talking about defensive statistics and as well as, as James Farr from Xavier, 6'10", played for, with Bradford Burgess overseas. Uh, they really wanted to beef up that front line, make sure that they had plenty of depth last year. After Larry Sanders came off the court, they didn't necessarily have that many guys to go to afterwards. You had Jamie Skeen, but Jamie was dealing with a bit of a knee issue and wasn't always at 100% for them. Uh, they have a very deep roster, a solid team. And, you know, maybe the, the coolest storyline on this team is the fact that Bradford and Jordan Burgess, who are brothers, get to play together for the first time in 10 years. Uh, the last time they played was in high school uh, in Richmond. And Bradford was a senior. Jordan was a, a freshman. And they haven't played with each other since then. So this is going to be really nice for them. And, you know, Bradford was telling me that his family's at every game, including Jordan, over the past couple of years. And uh, the fact that Jordan will be able to share the floor with Bradford now will be great for his family. And he says he has a lot of people traveling in. And that's another thing to mention is that, you know, they missed Bradford last year with an injury, did not have him on the team. They had him two years prior. And everyone I've spoken to around that team, Matt, Eric Maynard, the list goes on. I've talked about how big it is getting him back and, you know, to try and dethrone overseas elite for that South crown, uh, Bradford might be the guy that helps them do it. The only caveat I'll throw out for VCU, because I think this is an unbelievably talented roster and it kind of hits all the buttons for who you want to see playing uh, for a VCU alumni team, is that it's tough to manage a roster of 14 in a 36-minute game. 
So, you know, we'll see what happens. We had a couple of teams last year that had 14 to 15 guys and both went out in the first round. I'm not going to say I'm predicting that this year, but I will say that that first round matchup they have, if it is Tampa 2020, uh, is going to be a very tough game. Uh, the last game of the night from the Siegel Center at VCU is going to be the 950-950 p.m. Eastern tip-off between Atlanta Dirty South and Purple and Black, which is uh, more or less a Kansas State alumni team. Atlanta Dirty South, remember, made the uh, quarterfinals in 2015, missed out on TBT for the last two years, took matters into their own hands and purchased that slot outright to make sure that they were going to make it into TBT in 2018. Willie Ivey feels like this is the most talented roster he's had uh, in years, although they will be missing Glenn Robinson Jr. He won't be playing for them. In the meantime, Purple and Black uh, brings a little bit of a lesser roster, I would say, than they've had in years past, specifically because it right now does not have Jacob Pullen and Curtis Kelly, although though both of those guys I've heard are still in the mix. Um, but anyways, guys, a 7-10 matchup to close out the day between Atlanta Dirty South and Purple and Black. Uh, Jake, let's start with you and your uh, thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, I really like this Atlanta Dirty South team. And, and speaking with Willie and Jamario Moon uh, about how this team is coming together, Willie Ivey is, uh, is a pro in the TBT Pro-Am circuit and has had several teams who compete in tournaments around that area. Uh, Willie usually has three teams that he likes to keep separate throughout his tournaments and, and his, his summer seasons to kind of allow guys to have playing time and not really worry about that. And, you know, going through TBT in the past couple of years and not having as much success, he realized it was probably time to bring together these pieces. So he brought the best players from these three different pro-am teams that he has to form this Atlanta Dirty South roster. And, and they're really impressive. And you have uh, Jamario Moon on this team an NBA veteran who played in the league for five or six years, who's played in TBT in the past before as well with that train-to-go team, uh, started playing with Willie Ivey's uh, Pro-Am teams right after the train-to-go team was knocked out in the regional West Regionals last year. And Jamario will be joined by his nephew, Xavier Moon, another fantastic TBT storyline you only get in the basketball tournament. Uh, Jamario and Xavier actually played together this season with the Albany Patroons of the North American Professional Basketball League. Uh, Xavier was coming off of an injury in France. Uh, Jamario had called up his coach in Albany and said, hey, my nephew, is, he's healthy. He needs a place to play. Come give him a shot. Uh, they gave Xavier a 10-day contract. Xavier came out and exploded, and him and Jamario played the rest of the season together. Uh, Xavier actually ended up winning Rookie of the Year in that league. So to get you know those two guys on the floor together, uh, obviously you have a little family chemistry. And there's another set of siblings on that team as well between Christian and Lotana Nwagbo. Uh, so you have, you know, four players, uh, two of them are obviously, you know, related with each other. It's very unique to find two sets of siblings on the same team in TBT. So that should obviously give them a bit of an advantage. And Langston Nolly was, was crucial for that team two years ago on helping them almost upset uh, overseas elite. And, and I think the real X factor on this team and the guy who will certainly wow some people is going to be P.J. Myers, uh, a 5'9 guard from Augusta, Georgia, played at a very small school of life university, uh, but has been a, a figurehead on the pro-am scene. Uh, Jamario Moon is taking him under his wing over the past couple of years and kind of showed him the ropes, trying to launch his professional career. Uh, everyone say he's an electric player, an eccentric player, the guy who's not afraid to go for some, some trick shots and some high off the glass floaters and some up and unders and stuff like that. I imagine we're going to see a lot of highlight plays from PJ uh, in his Saturday game against that purple and black squad. Josh, uh, any thoughts on purple and black? Do they have a chance here to upset the seven? Uh, no, I don't think so. I like Dirty South. Uh, new look purple and black team. I know uh, just in the interest of time, I'll keep it short here, but I, I think Dirty South um, runs away with this one. A couple of returning players from uh, the previous teams, Gibson, Henriquez, and Irving, but it, it's basically a new look squad. Um, 
you know, uh, you never know. Kansas State is a, is a prestigious program. I, I don't think with pulling, they have quite enough to pull the upset, though. Um, so in the interest of time, I'll keep it short and say I'm going with Dirty South. All right, and that's going to close out the first-round action from the South Regional on Saturday, July 14th, live from Richmond, Virginia. Again, you can catch those games all on the Watch ESPN app. Guys, it's going to be an exciting weekend in Richmond. I know everybody else uh, in TBT and myself are both all looking forward to it. So be sure, fans, to catch all the action live on the Watch ESPN app from Saturday, July 14th on. We'll continue with second-round action again on the Watch ESPN app from Richmond, Virginia on Sunday, July 15th. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Who are the four teams that are going to make it through the South region, Josh? Uh, overseas elite, uh, Wake the Nation beats Louisiana United in like a, uh, one of the best games we've ever had to make it. I will go with um, uh, that third pod's tough. I guess I'll go with Memphis. And then in the fourth pod, Ram Nation. So I'm giving you a a one, two, or a one, five, three, and two. So a one, two, three, five. So I'm not really predicting anything crazy, but that's what I'll go with. Jake. Yeah, I'm going one, two, three, four, straight down the board. Overseas Elite, uh, VCU Ram Nation, Memphis State, Louisiana United. It's a top heavy region, but I'll tell you what, those teams are good. Any one of those four teams is uh, worthy enough to hold the title of South Crown Champ- of South Champion. Uh, we'll see who gets it done, but those are the four teams I like. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I love that Louisiana United team. I wish they didn't have to run to overseas elite. Nevertheless, everyone has to meet their fate at some point. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be a very fun region. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I know you, Dan. We need you. I'm going chalk. Uh, yeah. One, two, three, four. I, I just have a feeling, although I do agree with you, Josh, that I think that Wake the Nation, Louisiana United game is going to be one of the best in TBT history. I just have a feeling that there's a, something about that matchup and the people we have involved in that game that's going to lead to some unbelievable uh, basketball and certainly even more thrilling, I think, because of the Elam ending. As we saw last weekend in Spokane, uh, when you have the Elam ending in a very close game, the drama is just off the it's off the charts. It's like yeah. unlike anything I've ever seen in a basketball game. All Buy right, guys. Yeah, exactly. Buy your tickets now because they might actually sell out in Richmond, Virginia. So if you don't get them early, you might not get in. All right. Remember to tune into the Watch ESPN app. We'll be back with more updates and more previews of the rest of the regions in future podcasts. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and uh, fans and gals, and we'll talk to you guys later.